March 2nd, 2023, this morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated in loving memory of Ruth Bat Gilsom, Ruth Gindi, Alea Shalom. We're in Maseche Betan, Daphet Amud Bet, toward the bottom of the page. But before we begin, I'll just quickly review a concept, a point that we've made and haven't said it sharply enough and in turn kind of encountered an issue at the bottom of the Amud over here. We've mentioned at least twice over the course of our learning of this uh, daf, of daf het, amud aleph, and then amud bet more specifically, that this mitzvah kisui hadam is to be performed on the day of the slaughtering. And the reason we said that was really uh, twofold came up. First and foremost, on amud aleph, het amud aleph, we had this statement that a koi, we're dealing with a safek be'ema, safek haya, lo yishhot, you shouldn't be slaughtering on Yom Tov. If you went ahead and you did slaughter it, and so well, then the halakha was, if you recall, you're not allowed to be mechaseh. And the obvious question is, if you could do kisui hadam, for argument's sake, right after the holiday, leave the blood out and perform the kisui hadam afterwards. So I understand the second halakha of im shahat lo yechaseh, you shouldn't be doing that on Yom Tov for reasons that the Gemara then addresses. But with regards to, well, don't even slaughter. Why don't even slaughter? Ultimately speaking, if you can cover it, you could perform the mitzvah of kisui adam that night after the holiday, we're going to tell you to abstain, to refrain from eating meat over the course of the holiday because, because what? Because you can't do the kisui right now? So do it tonight. You'll still be fulfilling the mitzvah. It's not as if you're doing something which will in turn prevent you from performing the mitzvah. It was in that context that we said, well, kisui adam needs to be, should be done during the day of the slaughtering. Not sharp enough with regards to our statement on that. And Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher ben Yechiel, in Siman Yod Aleph, in the back of the Gemara, addresses this issue. He uh, phrases it as follows, um, without saying it the way exactly I'm saying it. He says, Kisui Hadam can and will be performed at any point that the blood is still there on the ground. However, however, generally speaking, if I were to slaughter and the blood falls onto the ground, it will be absorbed. And after it's absorbed, you'll, you'll land in a situation which is called enrishumonika. You won't be able to discern properly exactly where that blood fell. As a result, you will no longer be able to fulfill the mitzvah of kisui hadam. Which means to say it's not per se a prohibition or a restriction that needs to be done during the day of. It's more a technical aspect. The fact that the blood will fall, become absorbed by the ground, you will no longer have the opportunity in a general sense, in a, in a normal circumstance. Says Rosh may be collected into a keli, into a utensil, and that's when it won't be absorbed into the ground any longer. There's a gezera, there's a halakha, midrabanan, that you're not allowed to collect it into a keli. Which means to say, to say it sharply, when we addressed in the Gemara once or twice this idea of doing the kisui hadam that day, it's not that you're not allowed to do it that night, it's that there's issues with regards to oftentimes the applicability of doing it that night because the rishumo, the, uh, the markings of that blood will be lost and as a result you won't be able to just practically do kisui hadam. It came up again, needs to be addressed as well, on Davhetamudbet, when the Gemara was addressing why koi might be different than a vaday haya or an of. And the initial, or one of the initial interpretations of the Gemara, as Nathan was strong on, was because If you recall, the idea was this, a mitzvah asev kisui hadam, it'll push away any isurim that you're dealing with, the isur of tohen, perhaps, and the isur earlier we thought of harisha. And the Gemara said, well, you see, there's a mitzvah asev kisui hadam, but wait a second, if the kisui hadam can be done that night, well, not really. In other words, as Rashba asks, 
as it was addressed in this class, Resh Lakish's principle elsewhere is, if you're able to fulfill both the mitzvah ta'aseh and the lo ta'aseh without violating the lo ta'aseh, well, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You don't need to push it away. As a matter of fact, it's not permitted to if you'd be able to fulfill them both, both by refraining and also fulfilling. Rashba, however, in that context, suggests that the principle of this aseh dohe lo ta'aseh is such that if in this moment you could or should be fulfilling the mitzvah in its entirety and you're going to have to push it off to a later time, that we don't say you're able to both do the aseh and the lotaseh. If in this moment, for example, on Yom Tov, you'll be able to slaughter, eat, and do the kisuyada, meaning the whole package, that's how the power of this aseh dohe lotaseh works. In other words, if I don't need to violate in order to perform in this moment, that's when we say lo aseh If, however, in this moment, I would need to push away in order to perform the mitzvah ta'aseh. It's just if I waited until later on, I would be able to perform it differently. The principle he builds from here and elsewhere is you do, even under those circumstances, say, when all the dust of this conversation settles, the principle that I'm setting forth for you is that there's no prohibition, there's no restriction or violation or instruction, whatever word you want to use with regards to kisui hadam, the day of the slaughtering. It's rather a practical consideration. Any and every one of those proofs that we had in the Gemara, which seemed to imply to us that it needs to be done during the day, need to be interpreted differently. That being the case, we pick up again on Dafheta Mudbet, five lines from the bottom, and you'll understand. So we addressed, we addressed this in the introduction to this sugya. Uh, there's no simple reason. The Torah doesn't tell us. What Sefer HaChinuch, which some of the uh, Jewish philosophers suggest is that it's, um, when we generally speaking think about the Torah and understand it properly, the Torah is trying to ward us away from acts of cruelty, acts of violence. And as a result, in the context of slaughtering, well, that's a little bit prone to cruelty and violence, not per se that it should be forbidden, but as a result, the Torah says, well, why don't we cover this up and give you a certain internal feeling, understanding, appreciation of, uh, let me distance myself from this sort of matter. It's akin to the fact that Adam Harishon, until after the Mabul, was not allowed to eat meat. About Benel and others suggest, in an ideal sense, shouldn't be doing so. We don't live in an ideal world, and as a result, it's permitted. But the kisui is nonetheless to remind us of that. But we want you doing it. We want you realizing it as a result, as, as opposed to so, just happening. So the Kisuhadam sounds like it's not, it's not in the heart, but at the same time, it's a bit of a right away, so there is this man to do it. Well, again, it's not, that's not a Ziman per se. That's like saying, Bekatam Azon is Ziman because you need to do it within 72 minutes of eating. That's not Zeman Gerama. It happens to be. I ate now, so then I need to do it within this time period. That's not Zeman Gerama means the time causes it, as opposed to what I did in turn gives a time. Says the Gemara here, five lines from the bottom, four words on the line. Taner Bizera, Lokoi Bilvad Amruela, Filu Shahat Behema Hayaveov. The statement here of the Bizera, the Hidush is not only is it a koi which the rabbis restricted from doing the Kisui Hadam and even told you not to do Shehita as a result on Yom Tov, but even if you're in a circumstance where you already slaughtered Bemahaya and Of and their blood is in turn mixed on the ground, you could not and should not do a Kisui in such a circumstance. We envision that as a Tirha Shelola Sorech. We understand that as 
as an unnecessary effort which you're exerting because, after all, the only animals, the only beings which necessitate Kisui Adam are the Hayan Of. Over here you have mixed in the Behemah's blood as well. You're going to have to exert yourself more to throw more dirt onto it, and as a result, as rabbis, so no Kisui should you be doing at all. So he addresses that, if you, if you recall, he, he addresses that, he suggests that it's the domesticated animals which are brought as korban in the mikdash. So, so to speak, my words, the tikkun already there with regards to the behemoth is the fact that we dedicate them to the mikdash, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, in this context, though, uh, Jared uh, questions, he said, wait a second, effectively what's taking place over here is you have a tirhash which is a rabbinic violation. They say, don't overexert yourself. And as a result, we're telling you, don't fulfill this mitzvah min haturav, that's a bit alarming. Do the rabbis have that sort of power? Should they have that sort of ability within the context of halakha to say, no kisui adam because we're nervous about X, Y, and Z? So what I responded to him, and Tosafot makes this very clear on the right-hand side, Taner Bizera, V'im Tomar says Tosafot, V'chiyesh koach biyad hachamim la'akor davar shuhum min is it possible for the rabbis? Is it, uh, are they really uh, capable of uprooting a matter from the Torah? Da kisui deoraita dechtiv v'kisahu be'afad. Pasuk in the Torah tells us you need to do kisui hadam. It's mitzvah from the Torah. V'yesh lo ma'ar answers Tosafot di in hachename the shev v'al taaseh yesh koch be'adam in hachename means indeed it is so. As I mentioned to Jared, the Gemara Masechet Yivamot and Dafsadi makes this point in the context of many other mitzvot, but the ones I mentioned specifically were Lulav on Shabbat. We don't take Lulav even if the first day of Sukkot falls on Shabbat, where it's a mitzvah Aseh from the Torah to do Netilat Lulav, but we don't. A Gezerah, the rabbis feared, uh, Rabbah more specifically feared, you'll end up carrying the Lulav in an area where there's no Eruv or from uh, in Rishut Tarabim for Amot, and as a result, no taking the Lulav at all. But wait a second, so I have to say from the Torah, the Sheval Ta'asef, it's not proactive violation but rather just by sitting put. Don't take the shofar. Don't on, sho- on Rosh Hashanah, excuse me, Lulav. Don't on Rosh Hashanah sound the shofar if, it's, if it falls on Shabbat. Sheval ta'aseh, that power is invested within them. Uh, the Gemara Nyevamot derives it from the Pasuk. Suggests also that that's what's taking place over here. But Sheval ta'aseh, they're not telling you to violate. They're telling you don't perform. They can and will do that in order to uphold proper restrictions, proper approaches of the nation. Okay, continues the Gemara and says, Amar Rabbi Yosef, three lines from the bottom, Bar Yasinia, Veloshanu Elashen Yahweh. Uh, the specifics with regards to when you have that iruv, when you have that uh, combination, a mixture of hayab, heman, of their blood, bizerasa, don't do kisui. It specifically explains, explains this, Rabbi Yosef Bar Yasinia. He says it's specifically if on one fell swoop, on one thrust of the hand, on one shovel throw, you wouldn't be able to cover all of the blood. Uh, if you would alternatively, on one throw be able to do it all, that's not an unnecessary exertion of energy and effort. You would have been doing that anyway if it was just Hayanov. The fact that this behemah didn't add to it all that much. Again, I've, I'd, I'd have to imagine you had a lot of Hayanov there already because otherwise... When I imagine something like, I don't know, a cow or even a goat or something, there's probably a lot of blood. Of it. Okay, but that's the reality. If there could be such a reality... Why can't you just say, oh, maybe you can just give me an example of Hayah, and then why can't I say, 
stuff that I'm sure I know I can do this with Allah, I'm happy with just not Abel, it's not just insignificant, I don't view the whole thing as if I need Abel in 60 years. Uh, it's, listen, it's a, it's, a, it's a distinct possibility that the Hachamim would, and we're just not addressing that here. Alternatively, they're talking about, again, uh, from the Torah, and in order to maintain the sanctity of the day, maybe they found it appropriate specifically like this. Let me add as well that you could, in the technical sense, if the blood is still there, even perform it that night, right after the holiday. It's not as if we're entirely uprooting. One is supposed to do it. You're performing the mitzvah. Yeah. Says the Gemara Peshita, this is simple. This is simple that if it's on one fell swoop, you would have been doing it anyway for Hayan off. Perhaps we would have made a Gezerah. Perhaps there would have been a rabbinic restriction uh, for a circumstance where since I'm doing it in one fell swoop, in one thrust of the arm, I'll extend it and assume I can do it even with two. We don't make such a Gezerah. Continues the Gemara. Amar Rabash. If a person slaughters a bird, not on Yom Tov, but before the holiday, but hasn't yet done the Kisui Hadam, says Rabbi, it's prohibited to then cover it, do the Kisui on Yom Tov. The understanding, Rabbi sets forth for us is A. You would technically, if there is Rishumonikar, be able to cover it at night. However, explains Rabbah, since you had the ability to do before the holiday and you didn't, we don't permit it to be done on the holiday. We see that as a Torah, Torah that you set yourself up for and are not permitting in doing so. That's the, uh, you shouldn't have slaughtered so late in the day. That's, that's what seems very clear from Rabbi. He doesn't distinguish in this context. He says the fact that you could have beforehand, you should have, and in turn you're not allowed to on. Continues the Gemara, continues Rabbah, and he distinguishes without fully explaining himself. And many wonder, not the Rishonim per se, but the Aharonim, what's the difference between this coming case and the case we just mentioned, Gilgel Isa Me'erev Yom Tov, Mafish Mimenna Halata Biyom Tov. Here's the situation, and in turn the Halakha. There is a mitzvah from the Torah, it's mentioned in Parashat Shelach, that you're supposed to be merim, Reshit Arisotechem Hala. You're supposed to take when you, a person is needing. When a person is uh, pre- um, preparing dough for uh, bread, they have to take from it, it's called terumah, just like any other terumah, which is given to the Kohanim, have to take from that dough, that's called hafrashat hala. If you live in Israel, if it's being needed in Israel as well, um, well, the halakha in such a circumstances, that's a mitzvah from the Torah, the pasuk I just mentioned. The pasuk says, when you come to the land, this is what you need to do. If you live outside of the land, there's a mitzvah midrabbanan, rabbinically speaking still, to do, to do hafrashat hala. Well, that all being the case, here's the situation. A person was gilgel isa me'erev yom tov. A person began kneading or did the kneading of the dough before yom tov, but they didn't do the hafrashat hala at that time. Now it's already hayav hafrashat hala. It's already hayav in the extracting, taking from the dough in order to, for it to be terumah before Yom Tov, because they did what's called Gilgul, they do, did Lisha, they needed, they prepared the dough. Gilgul, Gilgul, Lisha, Lisha, the needed. Yeah. So, give it a second. 
I don't know the case yet. Gilgel Yom Tob. The halacha nonetheless says, Rabbi is mafrish mimena halata biyom tob. You're allowed to do hafrashat hala on Yom Tob. Uh, so there isn't any issue. Ask Morris. We will in a moment see that there's a dispute about this. Furthermore, clearly, if he's telling me that, I would have thought that there would be. Why would there be an issue? Rashi at the top right hand corner quotes from the Mishnah later on, the Mishnah over there says that you're not allowed to take tiruma and ma'asir on Yom Tov because it looks like tikkun. It looks like you're fixing something. That in turn should apply to this. This after all is a tiruma, is it not? Just like tirumot and ma'asrot, imagine your crops and your vegetables and so forth and your grain, well you're separating and you're fixing. The rabbis restricted that. Rabbinically speaking, it's Mishan Daf Lamidvav. Give it a few minutes, give it a few minutes. Says Rashi, the reason this case is different, no, the reason this case is different is because it's the, the interest of the hachamim, of the Torah, in you having hot bread on Yom Tob is there. And as a result, although, as a result, although technically speaking, you could have done the hafrasha beforehand, the fact that you now won't have any uh, hot bread on the holiday because you'll have to, because you, you ran out of your opportunity because you didn't do the hafrasha beforehand, says Rashi, Afilu hachem mafrish, gazru al mutar patchama, the fact that you're allowed to, A, need on the holiday, bake, on the holiday, and in turn, take afrasha on the holiday, makes it different than the fruits and vegetables and grain. Fruits and vegetables and grain, you're not able to cut on the holiday, you're not able to do that preparation. Over here, the fact that we're interested in you having fresh bread on the holiday permits all that sort of activity, we in turn allow, the rabbis did, for hafrashat tiruma as well. Uh, yes, ultimately speaking, it is, is kit tirumat, but again, keep in mind, it's all rabbinic in nature. So the tiruma, we imagine it's just like regular tiruma. The reason it's different is, different is because over here, you can do the whole preparation on the holiday and do the hafrasha. As opposed to tiruma, hold off for a second on the kisui, as opposed to regular tirumot and ma'asrot, where you can't do all the preparatory activity. The question, of course, is with regards to the kisui. There's no simple answer to that. Maharam, many ask, how does Rabbah, on the one hand, tell you that the shechita, when you did it on the eve of the holiday, you can't now cover it on the holiday, whereas by Gilgul, he's distinguishing no simple answer. Longer conversation. At the very least, what we can notice is that the Gemara tells us that Abu Hadi Shmuel, the father of the Emorah Shmuel, disagrees with Rabbah. He extends the logic of Rabbah, which we had a moment or two ago about the slaughtering on the eve of the holiday. You can't now do Kisui on the holiday. You set yourself up for this situation. You could have done it before. Now we're going to permit on? Absolutely not. Abu Hadi Shmuel, Amarafilu Gilgeli Isa, Me'erev Yom Tov, En Mafrish Memena, Halata Yom Tov. You're not allowed to, in turn, do the Hafrashan Yom Tov. You should have been doing it beforehand. That is what we were kind of expecting. Once we had the last line on that if you did the Shahitana Eid of Yom Tov, you're not doing Kisui on Yom Tov, we expected that Gilgul should be no different. What's that? Uh, a bird or a haya. Uh, no, there shouldn't be any reason why you distinguish between bird or, or wild animals. Good question. I don't know why he said this. Maybe, maybe someone asked him that question, talking about Sipor. Um, but that's what we have then. Again, so Rashi addresses why is this different than regular Turumot and Ma'asrot. Abu Hadi Shmuel really debates, the, the disagrees with Rabbah based on the logic of Rabbah himself. How and why Rabbah distinguishes that the covering Kisui Adam was Asur, where 
whereas this hafrashat teruma of the hala is permitted, never addressed here in the Gemara, but the Gemara does. You can still eat the animal. Right. That's you can't eat the bread. You can't eat the bread. The blood is different than the taking of the animal. So simchat yom tov, because you can eat the animal. When I saw that animal, and I didn't go to the sewer, but the bread, you can't eat the bread until you do the hafrashat. I think that's what Rashi's alluding to. Uh, well, hang tight. What you will see in the continued lines of the Gemara is it's far from simple. Outside of Eretz Israel, you can eat it even before. As in Eretz Israel, you're all correct. Is that what we're referring to at this juncture? Morris does point out that at the bottom of Dafheta Mudbet, Rashi did mention not only what I told you, the Hayalo Lechasot Odyom, he didn't only mention that the reason it's prohibited to do the Kisui Hadam on Yom Tov when you slaughtered on the eve of Yom Tov is because you should have done it before. And he goes on to say, and by the way, I said this at the end of the class, said, by the way, you could still eat from the chicken, you could still eat from the wild animal. Uh, so the suggestion in turn is maybe that's what Rabbah is distinguishing. The problem is Rabbah is not living in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbah is living in Chutzlaretz. If he's living in Chutzlaretz, the halakha, we'll read it in just a moment in the Gemara, is that you're allowed to eat from the hala and then just leave over a little at the end. The hafrashat hala is not me'akiv per se. It doesn't, up, it doesn't uphold uh, my ability to eat from this hala. So it's not but such a clear No, but you can still say, point to that, that the mafrish is less of than the other thing. Okay. That hafrasha is the giving to the Kohanim? Yes. It would, well, hafrasha means the separation, which is the necessary component that we're dealing with. Beyond that, you then give it to the Kohanim. Today's day and age, we burn it, but you know, yeah. Says the Gemara, Lema, should we say, and the Gemara says this incredulously, we're surprised. Is it possible that Shimuel disagrees with his father, his father being the line that we just read? The father of Shimuel, the Emora, excuse me, stated that if a person was if they needed the dough on Eid of Yom Tov, they can't do the hafrasha on Yom Tov. Our understanding in turn was, in some way, shape, or form, that the hafrasha is significant. Separating it is a separation which we'll look at and we'll say, oh, that's tikkun. You fix something. Oh, Shimuel is going to suggest, Shimuel's statement alternatively is, as I was just mentioning to all you, that when it comes to kneading and baking dough outside of Israel, since it's only rabbinic in nature, it's not from the Torah outside of Israel. And so what you can do is you bake to your lo- loaf of bread, you can eat from it, and then just leave a little over at the end, which means, again, that if at the onset said I separated, I didn't technically speaking need to separate. That separation I'm not going to look at and say it's qualitatively the same as I'm living in Israel and I'm being mafrish. It's qualitatively the same as taking from Tirumot and Ma'asrot that I couldn't eat from it beforehand. That I look at this as, ah, oh, yeah, that was an absolute necess- absolutely necessary action. In turn, says the Gemara, if you have Shimuel who tells me that the hafrashat halai outside of Israel is not uh, well that it's uh, built up to be. It's not really such a significant action because technically speaking you could just finish the eating and then have whatever's left over and dedicate that as the hala then how come his father how come his father in turn or in contrast said that if you didn't take the hafrasha before yom tov well in such a circumstance no taking it on yom tov well what's the difference just eat it on yom tov why, 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 or, or just take it on yom tov 
What's that? Of idealism. Says Morris, maybe Avu Hadishmuel is trying to instruct because he's Meherai Baneha Mikdash. Says the Gemara a little bit more simple. Amar Rava, Milo Modeshimuel, Shimkara Ale Hashem, Shasura Lezarim. Says Rava, says, listen, it's true, both Shimuel and his father's name, and there's no contradiction per se between the two. They don't even see things differently. It goes quite clearly like this. First and foremost, Shimuel's statement is true. You don't, in the technical sense, need to take from the dough. You can eat entirely and leave over a little bit, and that will be your halan. You didn't do anything wrong. That's so. What about if I decided? I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it Eretz Israel style. I live here in Chutzars. That's the way women will, or men, whoever makes the halal today, uh, do it. Uh, take the halal beforehand. On my uh, Shabbat table, we don't eat from it and then leave over. When my wife bakes it, she does In so doing, are you telling me now that what she left over, what she separated before the baking, after the kneading, are you telling me that separation is not sanctified? That separation doesn't have the status of being asur, being prohibited for zarin, for non-kwanim? Of course it does. Well, look at that action in a vacuum. Was I mitakin something? Did I establish something? Did I do something which gave halachic validity to that piece of dough? The answer is absolutely yes. And even Shemuel and Abu Hadishmuel, they all agree about that. It's for that reason, although Shemuel says the hafrasha isn't, you know, technically absolutely necessary, you could look at it as a hafrasha shiloli. So if you did the hafrasha, if you're going to do the hafrasha, oh, we look at that and we say that was a halachically binding action. Don't do that on Yom Tov if you didn't do it beforehand. And that's what we have here in the Gemara. Basically, there's an ability to get out of the pulling the dough just by the Right. And, but the point is, if you're not tapping into the loophole and you're doing it the other way, that's, that's significant. It's, it didn't diminish from its status. And in turn, you didn't do it on the of Yom Tov, you can't do it on Yom Tov. Oh, yeah, I'm not doing anything. No, you are doing something. There might be, in your words, a loophole. That's right, a leniency. But... But uh, yes, that's how you'd fix it. You would just leave some bread. And give it to the Kohen? Uh, once upon a time, but out, you know, today's uh, no, I'll leave some bread and, you know, do away with that bread. Yeah. Sure, this is hafrash at halal. And then you need to give tirumah from your halal. Separate tiruma. Says this next Mishnah, let's begin this next Mishnah. It's another Mahlok in Bet Shamayim Bet Hilel, another Mahlok in the context of Yom Tov. Here's the situation we're going to be dealing with ladders. L A D D E R S. Ladders. And the circumstance more specifically is ladders that leave, lead up to uh, nests of birds. More specifically, chicks. Here's the situation. It's forbidden, they don't give us the reason why, to take that ladder from one nesting area to another nesting area. The Gemara will make clear why. It's because of an issue called Marit Ayn. This is an Isu Midrabbanan. The fear will be, the fear is, that people will see you doing that and assume you're not moving in order to take chicks which you want to use and eat on. Maybe not chicks, Mars, maybe young birds, better yet. Young birds in order to eat on Yom Tov, you're doing it because you want to go be shoteh et gago. You want to go plaster your roof. Plastering your roof. Melecha min ha-Torah. You have melechet boneh. You have melechet memachek. In such a circumstance, a person sees you moving that large ladder from one nest. They don't realize. Say, Bet Shammai, you can't do so. Aval, however, Bet Shammai agrees. Matehu mehalon lehalon. If there are different compartments in the same nesting area of your young birds, you could take it and you can tilt it. You're not picking it up and 
carrying it across uh, to another area where someone will make that mistake. You're just tilting it in another direction. No issue of marit ayin. Ubetilel, betilel, alternatively, matirin, they permit even moving it from one place to another. The Gemara will explain exactly what they debate. Quickly, says the Gemara, Marav Hanan Barame, Mahloke Bershut Rabim, the Bechamai Savre Haro E Omer Lahatiah Kago Husarih, Ubetilel Savre Shovahom Mohia Halav, Avabrashut Ahid, Devreha Kol Mutar, will suffice with this for now. But the initial statement here, the initial rendition of Rav, Rav Hanan Barame of our Mishnah goes as follows. That dispute, that debate between Bechamai and Betilel, when you're allowed to, when you're not allowed to move the ladder, is specifically and only when I'm in a public area during the moving, public thoroughness. Fair in a Rashut Rabim. In that circumstance, I'm moving my ladder from one nest to the other, crossing, uh, cross, uh, going across Ocean Parkway, Broadway Avenue as I do so. person says, Ah, oh, you see what he's doing? He's going to fix his roof. Yom Tov. Yom Tov. Right? Uh, it has to be Yom Tov. Anyway. Not if it's for not if it's for Devar Mitzvah Not if it's so I'm moving it across Rashut Tarabim. That's only in that circumstance. I say Bet Shammai. Ah, you can't be doing that. Person's going to say you're going to fix your roof. However, if you're in Rashut Yahid, if you're in a private area, even Bet Shammai agree. No, but I'm taking across my yard to the other side. So what? Nobody's peeping into your yard and saying he's doing it now to go across. Doing it in privacy, we don't have that issue of Marit Ain. The Gemara will challenge us. The Gemara will say, I thought this issue of Marit Ain, we don't distinguish between public and private. Even in the room of rooms, meaning all nestled away, we still say, if you're not supposed to be doing this because others might see it and misunderstand it, then you shouldn't do it anywhere. That's what we're going to address tomorrow.